Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test Uh, Today kicks off our series that I'm very excited about. It is called our Dope Ladies Preaching Series. So throughout the entire month of August, as well as the first Sunday in September, um, we will have preaching from some of the dopest ladies that I know that that I am connected to. And I'm excited about our preacher today. Um, She is no stranger to City Point. City Point is home to her, and so she is absolutely at home. It is Pastor Asia McGee, who is the online engagement engagement pastor, I'm hoping I didn't mess it up, at the Cutting Edge Global Church. So won't you stand to your feet, give a big homecoming City Point welcome to Pastor Asia McGee. this season to the pastoral, you guys. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you, Carla. I know many faces here, but for those of you guys that don't know, I was the director of operations at City Point for five and a half years, and recently, at the end of last year, um, moved on um, to another capacity, but it is so good to be back, and I have a word for you guys today. So um, shortly before Pastor D asked me to speak, um, God began to stir um, in me a word, and, and that's not atypical of God. He'll give you something, and he wants you to prepare it, and then you have to be sensitive to his voice when it's time to release it. And so for the purposes of note-taking, today's subject is the capacity for more. The capacity for more. Coming from 2 Kings 4 verses 1 through 7. Um, In the NIV version, you guys can read on the screen above me. Um, If you have your Bible app or if anybody in the universe is still carrying a hard Bible, you can pull that out too. So let's read this together from the NIV version. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. 
Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars as each is filled, put it to the side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this appointed time. I thank you that everyone here is here for a divine purpose. I pray, Lord God, that you soften the hearts of your people, Lord God, and allow this word to fall, not on stony ground, Lord God, but hearts that are ready to receive you. I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit can minister to each person individually in the way that they need the most, and I ask that you do this today. And Lord, I just yield myself completely to your Holy Spirit. Move through me and speak through me as only you know how, Lord God. These things I ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. So in this text, we have the prophet Elisha, who had recently succeeded his mentor Elijah as lead prophet in Israel. And Elisha was known in scripture to be a man of God, one that operated with extreme integrity. Um, his ministry was really dedicated to the compassionate needs of the people. And so this miracle that we see in this text is actually the third one recorded after he saw his mentor go up to heaven in chariots of fire. And one thing is that the disciples had passed away well, excuse me. This is the third recorded miracle from Elisha since his succession. Let me not get ahead of myself. And in that text, we see that one of his disciples had passed away. Um, there was the company of prophets. And so Jesus had disciples and followers. The prophets that were appointed over a particular region would also have followers that were being trained by them. And so the wife, she's a widow now. Her husband passed away, and she's coming to Elisha, like, literally begging him, saying, you know, I inherited this debt. The creditors, you know, are after me to enslave my sons, and, you know, what am I supposed to do? And in that day, you know, people could be used as a payment um, to pay debts. And so Elisha replied in his compassionate manner that we know him for, asking, how can I help? What do you have in your possession that I can work with. And so that was very interesting to me because when somebody is coming to you in dire need and you see their situation and yet that person is just standing in front of you, calm, cool, and collected like, I hear you, now what do you have? And this woman is probably in distress. Her back is against the wall. She is seemingly in danger of losing everything that's meaningful to her. She already left, lost her husband. She's losing her sons, potentially. She has no money. And she comes to this faithful man of God in need of a miracle. How many of you, I'd like to know, and I'm going to raise my hand too, have found ourselves at a time in a hard place? Seems like we've done everything right, or at least we have tried to do things right, and yet it still seems that the walls are closing in around us. We cry out to God, wanting him to just swoop in and save us. He hears us out, and then he still requires that we participate in our own miracle. Sometimes that really sucks, <laughs> because it feels like we have nothing left to give, 
yet God keeps pressing us for more. And one thing that I've learned is that this is because God is more interested in our character development than anything else. We go to God for things. We go to God for end objectives. But God is actually interested in who we're becoming in that process. Our trials are merely a training ground, a stage for his glory, for his manifested presence to come to the forefront. I heard this quote some years ago, and it said, you can't make a difference if you're not willing to be different. And in that same capacity, how can we see that God is the big faithful God that he is if we never have a situation that requires him to show up as that big God, a situation that's beyond what we can do on our own? So what we feel like we need is an immediate solution. And what God wants is for us to be pressed to the point that he gets the oil of his anointing. At this point where we come to the end of ourselves is where we're no longer operating out of ourselves. And what's produced is the pure power that will transform us first. It's always about us first. And then make us effective in our assignments to transform lives and the world around us. The widow replied in verse 2 that she has nothing in her house except a small jar of olive oil. Nothing except a small jar of olive oil. How can you have something and nothing at the same time? We are God's creations, and one thing we must know is that we were created to be fruitful in every way. God is a God of production. He's a God of multiplication, and we are created in his image and likeness. So there's always seed in us in some form, something that will reproduce, something that can bring forth a harvest of what God has promised to us. So in this moment, we see that the unfortunate circumstances of life had closed in on this widow to the point that she overlooked the thing that would be the raw material for her exodus. I asked you today, and I had to ask myself this, what is the thing that you have disregarded? When you're going to God and you're saying, God, I need your help, I need a miracle, I don't have nothing. I don't have nothing. What is the thing that you have disregarded? What is your, I have nothing except? What is your exception? And I don't think it was by coincidence either that the widow's exception at this point was a small jar of olive oil because we know oil to be something of extremely high value. It is said to be for modern day society, the world's most important source of energy. And so nations war over it, it impacts our economies. And so even though the widow had a small jar of olive oil, it represents something extremely impactful and potent. I entered into a new season at the end of last year, and it was encapsulated by a series of transitions, relational, career, etc. Um, all the while, more responsibility was coming to me, ministry inside my home, taking a more active role in the care of my parents. And Literally, I've just been looking at God like, how? How? How can all of this possibly be coexisting at the same time? So on one way, you're stripping me, and on the other way, you're increasing me. And I remember saying, like, this is a very weird season because it's forcing me, every single thing I have to show up at 100%. So how are you taking away from me, yet still requiring me to produce at an even higher capacity than before. 
And what he revealed in my stillness is that he wanted me to get back to the thing that I have disregarded. He wanted me to get back to my small jar of olive oil. He wanted me to come to the end of myself. And my small jar of olive oil is my voice. Understanding fully the speaking and teaching and writing are graces on my life. They are also the main things that I deprioritize when stuff gets extremely busy and hectic. I think that those things can wait a little bit. I've been supposed to be writing a book for about five, six years now, you know. Been supposed to be doing this and that, but all the other urgencies of the day, they're coming. And so I'm deprioritizing my small jar of olive oil. And God is like, I don't want you to miss your appointed time. I don't want you to miss your appointed time. All the stuff that I allow to take precedent is the icing on the cake. And God is like, where's the cake? Where's the cake? You focused on the icing, but where's the cake? And he was patient with me, but he's such a loving God that, again, he would not let me miss my appointed time to graduate to my next level. So he began stripping things away. I walked away from a nearly 10-year relationship. I walked away from friendships. I left my comfort zones. And then I thought, okay, good. I passed my test, right? And God gave me a little breather on top of this year. I'm like, all right, here we go. Then he broke my business. What? So you take my relationships away, and then you break my business. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a full-time entrepreneur. That's not fun, is it? But he wanted to rebuild it again in the way that he wanted to. He wanted me to quit doing things that I had done in a form of comfort, and he really wanted me to even elevate in that capacity to doing the type of business that he actually called me to. And so all the while, he's been supplying me with his gift of his peace and his joy and his guidance Every step of the way, peace, joy, and guidance in the midst of his controlled chaos. Anybody know what controlled chaos is in their life? Yeah. It's tight, but it's right. It's hard, but it's God. And, and really, what allows us to go through in seasons is our perspective on things. How we see things determines how we go through things. And so it's really important that we know that just because we serve God, you know, this widow in the text, she's like, but my, my, my husband, he served God. Prophet to God's mouthpiece. He dedicated his life to this work. And now I'm, this is my inheritance? This is what I'm left with? Yeah, I'm guilty too. God, I serve you. Why my life look like this? What do you mean? I serve you for real, you know, not for fake. I serve you for real. And so we got to know that works don't justify us. Everybody has to go through that development and that training ground so God can get out of us what he always wanted to get out of us. That potential is inside of us from the beginning, but unless we meet the trials that will develop us and bring out that potential, those challenges that will sharpen us, that will refine us, we will not get to the place that we're supposed to be. So I had to sit um, in that a minute and to understand that things were happening for me and not to me. God was calling me forward into the things that he literally fashioned and designed me for. But meanwhile, I'm still like, wait, do you see this? Do you see that? What, what do you mean? I was silent under the pressure for a minute this year. Remember I said my small jar of oil is my voice, but I went silent. I went quiet. I, I didn't want to say anything just to realize that my voice was actually my ticket out. The thing that God wanted me to turn my attention to all along. So no matter how hopeless or cloudy things may be, 
Know that we are never without a God instruction, but our lives are often too noisy to hear or perceive him. So the Holy Spirit is ever speaking. And if you feel like God isn't speaking, say, is my life too noisy? Or say it, or ask yourself, did I do the first thing that he told me to? Go back and do your first works over. If you're asking God for more instructions and you don't have it, you're never without an instruction. God ain't no send off. He's not positioning us to fail because he's 100% success guaranteed God. And we are on his assignment. Why would he position us to fail on his agenda and his mission? It don't make no sense. So where is your instruction? And go back and identify that. So the prophet Elisha gives the widow some instructions after she reveals that she actually does have something to work with. He makes her participate in her own miracle. Elisha said, go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Do you have the faith to participate in your own miracle when you can't fully see what's ahead? Are you too fearful of looking crazy in front of others while you're operating in faith? When God tells you big, will you believe him or will you play small? Will you act in quick and careful obedience to the instruction of God? Then are you willing to go into the secret place to allow God to work? And the secret place is where God does his best work because the work he wants to do is always the work on you. The end result of the miracle is what everybody else gets to ooh and ah about, but that is the byproduct of the transformation that occurred in the secret place. When it was just you and God, a few witnesses, your life offered as an empty vessel and his anointing that wanted to fill you. Don't just collect a few. Go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all of the jars and as each one is filled, put it to one side. Because I want you to be able to observe the process of transformation. I want your faith to be increased and your heart to be encouraged when I'm making a way out of no way. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Despite God stripping me down of everything that I thought was significant, shifting my value system and pressing me for more of his anointing to rest upon me. He has added unto me in some beautiful and necessary ways. He knew what was ahead, and I also had people in key positions of my life that would not have been able to support me in the way that I needed to be supported emotionally and spiritually in this season of my life. And perhaps my willingness to let go was actually a trigger that released me into the new season. God knew what was ahead. He had to give me some people who had capacity for me, who would get down in the trenches with me, who would build with me covenant relationships to witness this transformation. I told my support system this week that I feel like they have held me up, each of my arms, at times where I felt like I literally wanted to collapse under the pressure this year. Behind the closed doors, the widows had her two sons in the trenches with her. 
Everyone won't be privy to what God does with you behind closed doors. But there is a special blessing for those that do. Who are those people who are in the trenches with you? Are you equipped to undergo the transformation that God wants to take you through? Do you have a lot of stuff in your space or do you have what's necessary? Less can absolutely be more and that's what we see in this passage. The widow was obedient to the instruction. She and those ordained to witness that miracle, they got in the trenches together. She told her son, bring me another vessel and when there were no more, the oil stopped flowing. And so she went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Family, I came to tell you today that the capacity for more is not about addition, but subtraction. According to your willingness to be empty before God, will he fill you? God is a God that gives us free will, but will you allow him to pour into you in the secret place? The poor is according to your capacity. Will you empty yourself out in radical obedience and faith with the confidence that God is only taken away to add the right stuff? God will add unto you and then some. When the widow followed the instruction of God through the prophet Elisha, not only was the widow able to pay her debts with the thing that she had disregarded, but she and her sons were able to live off the rest. The anointing of God puts you in overflow and in position for perpetual increase. The widow was in a tight spot, but found through her obedience and faith that when she got empty before the Lord, he increased her, and the things that she thought would be the end of her and her family legacy became non-factors. Maybe the things that are threatening to take you out are an invitation for you to visit with God in the secret place so that he can show you how to rise above it. I want to pray with you this morning for a greater sensitivity to the voice of the Lord, for confidence not in yourselves, but in God to quickly obey his divine instructions. I want to pray that you submit to divine counsel and allow God to bring covenant relationships into your life that can handle seeing you in your lowliest state and get in the trenches with you without disregard for your value. I want to pray that you have the courage to empty yourself out before the Lord so that he can bring you into the productive and prosperous place that he intended for you all along. If this word is for you, I ask that you bow your hearts and lift your hands to God and surrender as I pray. Father God, we thank you and we bless you, Lord God, for this word that you sent to me for this house, Lord God. I know that it's not by coincidence that each and every one of your people are here and they came, Lord God, because they were seeking a word from you. Lord, we need more of your presence. We need more of your glory. We cannot walk this earth without you because you are the mere reason for our existence. And so, Father God, I pray that you divinely align each and every single individual for where they should be in this exact season of their lives. Father God, I pray that you give them the courage to endure the stripping that occurs during the process so that they can become all that you have created them to be. I pray that you silence their fears and I pray that you give 
give them confidence in who you are and you reveal yourself to them in a new way. Father God, I pray that you soften their hearts and you continue to speak to them and reveal your unfailing love to them, Lord God, so that they can continue to walk with you and to draw closer, Lord God. Help them to give them a stirring in their spirits for more of your word, Lord God. Your word says that your sheep know your voice and another they will not follow. And Lord, your word is the knowledge and the revelation of you, Lord God. So stir in us so that we study your word, so that we come to know you, so that we can recognize you and perceive you, Lord God, even when we don't see you, Lord God. I thank you that you are giving them bold confidence with fire under their feet to walk forward and all that you have created them to be. And I thank you, Lord God, as they, as, as they seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, you'll add unto them and take care of everything that concerns them. Thank you, Lord, for this appointed time. And thank you that these people, your people, we are on an upward trajectory, Lord. And we thank you for what you have already done because the works of God are finished. We pray these things and we seal it with the blood of Jesus. Amen.